Hey everyone, this is Matthew Bell with Startup Revival. Today we have a really special guest. His name is Sean Tabbitt. He's an entrepreneur, he's a podcast host himself, and he currently heads up marketing at Destiny Image Publishing, where he has worked with some of the biggest and most powerful Christian authors today. Stick around, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Right, everyone, welcome to Startup Revival. This is your host, Matthew Bell. I'm super excited today about our guest. We have a real, uh, really exciting um, opportunity to get to know Sean Tabbitt, who is a podcast host himself. He is in publishing. He has done a variety of different things from work for publishers, work in marketing. He owns his own company, which we'll get to a lot more about in a bit. He loves to chat about things like creativity, personal development, marketing, health, spirituality, and a whole lot of stuff that I know will inspire you and help you in your entrepreneurial journeys as well as your spiritual walk. So Sean, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Matt. I am crazy excited to be on your program and share with your listeners today. Really appreciate the opportunity. I absolutely, you know, we had such a fun time on your show. Uh, If everyone who's listening hasn't had a chance to watch it or listen to it, I should say, uh, follow Sean on social media and and watch or listen to the last episode that he did with me. It is all about my book that's coming out. But we just had such a fun time getting to know each other during that. I immediately responded with, well, you have to come on to our podcast. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on and share in your heart and, and dig in a little bit deeper. So to, as we get started here, why don't you give us, you know, as long or as brief of an introduction on who you are and where you've come from to give some context for our, our listeners to understand who you are? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be glad to. Uh, I am uh, an old married guy. I always joke about that. Been married almost 22 years uh, to my wife, Lynette. Uh, we're actually expecting our 10th child. So, uh, proud father of nine, soon to be Congratulations. 10. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's a real trip being a dad of nine growing up or having grown up as an only child. So that's certainly been a great big adventure. Uh, professionally, I've done quite a bit of different uh, work throughout my career. Uh, I had about a 10, 11 year stint uh, working for a range of different tech and software companies. Uh, There's a lot of educational and medical software companies up in the Minneapolis area. So I spent a lot of time in tech and running call centers, Uh, but I actually fell in love with Christian books when I was in college, Uh, met my wife working at a Christian bookstore. And, uh, you know, at that time, uh, just went off in a, a different direction as far as the tech route to support my family. But Uh, I reached a point where I had always said, you know, when I'm in my early to mid thirties, I'm going to do something related to publishing. And in God's providence, uh, about 2008, uh, I worked for a company that had just gotten acquired and all of our stock vested. And it was just a good time to uh, jump ship. So uh, I actually jumped ship and founded a little company called Cross Focus Media and did a a range of independent kind of marketing and PR social media related uh, jobs for a few different publishers. Uh, and then I, I just hit a, one of the interesting things in that journey is I hit a point in uh, from a business growth perspective that because I had never worked inside a Christian publishing company per se, I, you know, I just, I hit a ceiling. Uh, you know, the, the, it, I always joke, it kind of would go, could go like this, you know, well, Sean, you've never worked for a publisher, but this guy over here, he was the janitor at Zondervan. So maybe we'll hire him for the project. 
So not to say I, I couldn't get work. It was just, um, you know, it was, it was a harder sell because they, they, you know, they wanted a story where I had worked for a Christian publisher. So um, that put me on the road to actually working for a, a number of different publishers the last few years. Um, I spent some time in the academic world working for Fortress Press uh, in a community development kind of role. That was back when, you know, managing online communities was still a, a very new thing. Um, and then for the past four and a half, almost five years, I was a part of Baker Publishing Group, uh, where I worked as a marketing manager for both the Chosen Books and Bethany House nonfiction brands. And just about a month, month and a half ago, um, I transitioned over, or excuse me, transitioned over to Norai Media Group. Uh, there I am on the executive team and I wear a range of hats where I do uh, marketing, I do a lot of content creation, author coaching, uh, and acquisitions, and then all of the other duties as assigned that we're coming up with every week. So, but there's there's a little bit of my background and some of my journey. Awesome. Well, there there's a lot there. Um, so I'm going to jump in right to one thing that stood out at me. Uh, so you were in technology, which is really cool. I'd love to chat all about that. That's a podcast in and of itself. And then you said you fell in love, or you had fallen already in love with Christian books at another uh, point in life. I think you said in college. And then you jumped ship and you founded a company. So that right there, I want to pause and give honor to that, that you took something that you loved and you pursued your passion and you took the leap. And that is something that I think a lot of people dream about doing, but never actually do. And I was just talking about with one, with one person the other day, someone who's dear to me, uh, who has you know, worked for a nine to five his entire life, but has all these ideas and all these passions and then keeps thinking one day I want to do this one day I want to do that. But you're someone who took took the leap jump ship and started your own company. How did you know that was the right thing to do? Uh, you know, I would I would love to hear more about that process and, and how you realized that that was something that was the right fit at that time for you. Yeah, you know, uh, part of it, uh, I think on a personal level, um, just the, the kind of job I had running a 24-7 international tech support organization. Um, it was literally a 12 to 16 hour a day job, um, always on call. So just from a, a personal health and wellness standpoint, it was a job that demanded a lot out of me. So, I, you know, on the one hand, I was like, gosh, I really would like to not be in such a demanding role in that regard. Um, but I also reached a point, you know, I was in my early 30s. I was making more money than I ever thought I would make already at that point, And I was just very unhappy. Um, and as a guy who started out on a track, you know, from more of a pastoral ministry kind of role is what I thought I was supposed to do in life. I just, I hit a point, even though I was successful, I realized I was out of alignment for what I, what I really understood my calling to be and where I thought God wanted me to be. And so, um, I spent a lot of time praying with some of the, the different guys in my small group, spent a lot of time praying with my wife and, uh, yeah, we, we just got to a point where we were all in agreement, um, I should jump ship. And, you know, for better or worse, it, as anybody who's jumped ship knows, it it had its good things, it had its bad things. However, it's that journey that started with leaving the last software company I worked at that put me on the track to get to where I am today. So I, I needed I needed kind of that valley time as I would describe it, starting out and grinding it out to get to where I am today. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, the, the transition process and going from point A to point B in life, taking the leap, you know, I have, I've done it several times myself and it doesn't always look like the end or the final picture during the process, but I get a sense from you that you're really in a place where, 
Um, you know, you're doing what you love. You're very passionate about what you love. Obviously, that that comes through on everything that you do. Tell us about you know the transition and some of the ups and downs and how God was pulling you towards this, even as you took that first leap that may not have been the final destination. What what did the stepping stones look like, and how did you know God direct your path ultimately to where you are today? And um, you know, help us understand what that process looked like. I think that would be really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I'm guessing a, at least a range of your listeners listeners are probably in more of the the spirit empowered, the Bethel community, if you will. Um, and I was a guy who grew up uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, came from more of a evangelical conservative background. So um, the spirit empowered side of the church absolutely was not my world. Um, but in the process of, you know, being self-employed, I had, had a bit of time to travel and actually be down here in central Illinois where we live right now. Um, and I ended up spending a number of different weekends with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law here in Urbana-Champaign area and ended up going to their vineyard church. And ironically, it was that first summer after I'd left my job. Um, that my brother-in-law introduced me to some of Darren Wilson's films and got me reading some Randy Clark books and, and one of Robbie Dawkins books. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel like God kind of divinely set me up to start encountering this whole other side of uh, my faith experience and, and faith journey that was was so foreign to me. And so that got me started down a path of, uh, you know, interviewing some of these more spirit-empowered leaning authors on my podcast at the time. Um, and you know, as as Providence would have it, a, a couple years later, I end up working as the senior publicist for Chosen Books, which uh, is a, a spirit empowered, charismatic brand. Uh, yet that was something that was totally f- foreign to my background, and it was the, uh, that part of the journey. I needed the time here where I could be down here for weeks at a time to get introduced to some of these other things to slowly be pulled uh, into that side of the church. That's really interesting. So. This, this helps segue into a topic I really wanted to dig in with you, which is, you know, the power of publishing and the power of media in general. And, you know, a lot of people don't really think about books as, a, as media, but they are. It's a medium by which you can impact and in, influence and teach. Um, and this very similar thing happened to me early on in my spiritual walk. I grew up Presbyterian. I had some wayward years. Uh, and then I finally met Holy Spirit powerfully in a healing room in 2006, which changed everything for me. And shortly thereafter, just like the next week, someone gave me the book When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson, and it just totally rocked my world, right? So talk to me about what it's like being in publishing as you know, kind of a high-impact area of culture what are some of the cool projects you've worked on, some of the books that you've been a part of and and things like that, that you've really seen a measurable impact or at least an expectancy for impact uh, in culture and, uh, and within the church as well? well I, I think there's a couple of different kinds of books um, that really get me excited. Uh, on the one hand, you know, getting to partner with, you know, people like Bill Johnson or Chris Vallotton or Leif Hatland or, or some of the the who's who that we see up on stages, so to speak, in our charismatic space. That's that's just a privilege and an honor. So to, uh, I'll say just to get to work with leaders of that caliber is just uh, a ton of fun. You learn a lot and you're stretched. Um, when it comes to Bethel authors, probably the, the project I'm most proud of is a book that came out. Uh, in December of last year called Raising Giant Killers. And that's a book by Bill and Benny Johnson. They worked on that together. Um, and, and and that one has kind of an interesting Genesis story, so to speak. Um, you know, I 
I, I saw a Facebook post that Will Hart uh, had shared that Bill and Benny were up on stage sharing about intentional parenting. They, I don't know if it was a seminar or an evening session, but whatever, it was at Bethel and Reading. And so I saw that Facebook post and I, I immediately went to my acquisitions team at Chosen and I said, I want us to do a book with Bill and Benny on intentional parenting. I feel like it really uh, serves, hits a gap in our charismatic publishing market. And so, uh, and, and that's a book that's done really well. I think uh, at this point it's 30, 30,000 plus units in sales, which isn't too bad considering it came out uh, last December. Uh, but that was one where, you know, I, I just, I randomly, or, you know, I would say more divinely happened to see uh, a Facebook post and, you know, I, I started pushing to try to get a project moving. Uh, and that's one, you know, just having talked to friends and family and other people who have encountered that book so far, um, it's having a measurable impact where people are learning from the successes that Bill and Benny had in their own journey of raising their three kids. So as far as uh, the books I did on the Chosen brand, I think Raising Giant Killers is probably one of my favorites. Um, and then I also had kind of this other side of my life. You know, I always would describe it at uh, at Baker. It was like I sat on a fence. So I got one leg in the spirit empowered world. I have another leg in the more evangelical leaning world. And so uh, a book we did about four years ago was written by a lady named Terry Roberts. Uh, and it, it was, uh, the title was Forgiven. And it was the, the story of how her son had, um, and this was about 12 years ago that this event happened. Um, I believe he was struggling with some mental health issues. He actually shot up the Nickel Mines Amish school uh, where they lived. And um, th the book shares her story of having to learn to forgive and, and partner and work with the Amish community that they lived in, right next to, uh, to heal following that event. And then I would say similarly, um, on the Bethany House side, uh, we had a book that just came out uh, about uh, early June called Call to Forgive. It's by Reverend Anthony Thompson. Um, and this tells his story uh, from about five years ago, I believe it was, from the Charles Charleston Church shooting. And and right away after that happened, he went to the jail and forgave the uh, the guy who had done the shooting. And, and this is, you know, he's sharing his story of learning to walk in forgiveness. So on the one hand, you know, there are those projects where you get excited about something because you really feel like it meets a need. And then I feel like, you know, on the other hand, there are some of these cultural sort of impact, you know, projects, stories that need to be told. Um, and so, yeah. And then I guess there's kind of everything in between. That's great. Uh, really interesting stuff. So it's, it strikes me that one of the, you know, um, you know, powerful projects that you worked on when I asked uh, is in relation to children and parenting, you know, raising giant killers. I think how impactful can we be if we are able to help parents, parents be better at raising up, you know, spirit filled, spirit empowered uh, leaders. Um, so that is just super exciting to hear you take that path with, uh, you know, some of the, uh, illustrations of the, the impact of your work. Uh, if we could, what I'd like to do is shift gears a little bit, um, on the topic of impact and, and publishing, we get a ton of inquiries around from our listeners around, uh, businesses, uh, business ideas and, and writing projects and things like that. A lot of people want to know you know, how they can be successful in publishing. They have great book ideas and things like that. And some of them are really powerful that we've had the chance to take a look at. If you if you could, we'd love to, you know, what, what's the best way for someone who has a book idea or a manuscript to go about bringing that into the world? Either, you know, what do you recommend simply, you know, 
sending your manuscript to a publisher or do you recommend self-publishing for your first book? What, what does that process look like for someone who has a great book idea or a manuscript already in hand, taking it from you know, that, that initial idea and product phase to ultimately something that is a distributable product? What are your thoughts uh, that you could share around that? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a, a question I get asked quite often. Um, and in some regards, you know, I, I always say it's kind of the wild west of publishing out there right now. Um, as far as with, with self, the rise of self-publishing, um, there's just a lot more content that's being produced. So it's a, a very intriguing time. Um, but when it comes to, say, working with a, a traditional publisher versus uh, a less traditional publisher, uh, a lot of times in a, in a traditional publishing scenario, you might have what's called an acquisitions editor um, or in my role for Nori Media Group, I'm considered an acquisitions agent. So you, you would you know, try to get in touch with somebody who does has an acquisitions function at the organization and present them with maybe some kind of a book proposal or uh, you know, uh, some, a couple of sample chapters and that sort of a thing. And so the, on the one hand, in a traditional scenario, there, there's a gatekeeper like that. Um, and, you know, the kind of internal workings of how they make the sausage, typically there's some kind of a review process or what you might call a publishing board. Um, and, you know, they, they review the, the sample, the proposal, look at your platform, the idea, the saleability, um, and, and try to really make a good judgment call on whether or not that would be uh, a solid investment uh, for the publishing house to make. Um, on, on the more, whether you call it vanity publishing or the self-publishing side, uh, that's a game that's kind of wide open. You know, there there are uh, some traditional publishers that, publishers that have kind of vanity imprints, so to speak, where you could, you know, work with them to take care of the some of the editing and the design and and the layout and, you know, get your book published. So that would be more of a kind of a hybrid self-publishing model. Or you could just uh, take it right to Amazon ACX. You get to wear all the hats, you know, be the, the editorial person, the design person, the marketing person. Um, and all that sort of thing. So as far as ways that things get published today, you still have tons of people going their traditional route, um, either directly to a publishing house. Um, a lot of the bigger publishing houses um, don't take what would be called unsolicited manuscripts. A lot of houses only take solicited manuscripts, which is where you would have uh, an agent that's representing you and, and pitching you to a publishing house. Uh, typically to get to the point where you're uh, able to get an agent, you need to have some level of platform or um, some level of scope in what you're doing to to make you interesting or interesting for somebody uh, at that level to uh, take you on. Um, but I would say too, when it you know when it comes to uh, publishing a book, you know the one thing I'm always curious is you know why why do you want to get out there and publish a book? You know I understand people have stories to tell, experiences to share. Um, but you know, I feel like the book, and I, I think this could be somewhere we could go conversation wise. I feel like the book is just one piece of how, um, you can tell your story. Um, but I feel like that's just the starting point because we're not so much in a, a publishing centric world. Uh, I would say we're in kind of a media centric world and, and publishers need to realize that we're not really just publishing companies anymore, maybe doing print books and eBooks and audiobooks. We're more of media companies. So um, I feel like the the book on the one hand is one way to tell your story and share your message, but we're moving quickly into a world where that needs to dovetail or connect into ebooks, audiobooks, e-courses, you know, maybe webinars, in-person events. Um, so I feel like the book is the starting point. And for some people just doing the book is sufficient and it meets their needs. They got their story out there and whatnot. Um, but for many, uh, you know, they're looking for things that are going to scale uh, to a much a much wider range. 
That's awesome. I think that's really helpful. It gives a kind of a an interesting look at all the options available. Um, that's great. So let's talk a little bit about personal development and health. So you, you know, personal development is something that is always on the minds of our listeners, which we have a daily newsletter, we give out tidbits and things that, you know, just help people along with, you know, daily inspiration and learning and articles and stuff like that. Uh, what, what are some of the areas you've been focused on in regards to personal development um, that you can share with the audience that would be helpful uh, you know, in their, not only their professional walks, but their spiritual walks as well as their personal lives. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, a big part of it is, is just being intentional. You do have to plan, uh, and build time into your day to, to do some of those meaningful, whether they're early morning or late evening sorts of activities that are going to give you kind of the margin and the breathing room, uh, to kind of get yourself filled back up. Um, for me, that looks like in in the mornings before I do anything else, I try to be very intentional about spending 15, 20 minutes, you know, reading my Bible, praying, writing in my journal, just getting getting my head on right for the day, listening to the Holy Spirit, trying to figure out um, where, where God's leading me to focus my energies for the day. Not to say that I don't have a plan, but I also want to be very aware of what, where, what, where, how God is uh, leading me for that day in particular. Um, when it comes to the uh, exercise standpoint, um, I'm a I'm a runner. I probably run 60, 70 miles a month. So that's kind of my um, my quiet time. It's where I can get in the zone and think. Uh, as a father of nine, soon to be ten kids, my house is busy and loud and chaotic. And just getting out on the trails for you know three, four, five miles just gives me headspace to think and to dream and to pray. And you know I get a lot of my best downloads and creative ideas. Uh, when I'm out running and hey, I always have a phone with me. So if I have something super important, I can stop and, and uh, put a quick note on my phone. Um, and one thing I would say too is, um, you know, for me as a guy who uh, was in an unhealthy state at, towards the end of my tech career, um, you know, I actually lost uh, 50 pounds uh, about as is three, three, four years ago. Um, we actually had this book called The 30 Day Faith Detox written by my good friend, Laura Harris-Smith. And I was the publicist for that brand at the time. And so I did kind of a social media experiment where I online lived out um, her 30-day her faith detox uh, process, uh, if you will, and you know, ended up losing like 25, 26 pounds the first time through um, and then did it again a, a second time uh, uh, a year later. Um, but that was kind of a funny experience for me um, because my before and after photos have been seen on Sid Ross at Supernatural and on... Um, Jewish voice today with Jonathan Burnus. And so for a guy who wasn't overly healthy and uh, just struggled with weight for a, lar a large part of his early adult life, it, it, it's kind of funny and ironic to look back and go, it's just crazy that I, I was like the poster boy for this sort of weight loss health book. That's amazing. I didn't know that about you, but that's inspiring. So uh, good for you. Father of 10 has taken the leap about to be father of 10, I should say, you've taken the leap to do what you love. And that has led you into this uh, publishing path in life. You've lived out a personal transformation, having lost 50 pounds. That's incredible. I think there's so much people can learn just from your story alone on that. But as we as we wind down and we, we land the plane, uh, we always like to leave our audience with a practical piece of advice uh, that, that you can impart at, from your experience. So having been someone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to 
when you jumped ship, as you said, and founded Cross Focus Media, which wasn't necessarily the final destination in your career, but a, an, an amazing stepping stone that that opened the doors for what you're doing today, which you absolutely love and you're know, living out your passion. What what would you recommend? The first thing that people do today who are listening, whether it, they want to take the leap and start a business or or make a career change or even start the process of a personal transformation such as weight loss or lifestyle change, what would you recommend the first thing they do starting today to make headway towards that goal? Well, I, you know, the first thing I would do is, um, you know, think of if you have a significant other, you definitely are going to need them to be on board if you're, if you're thinking about making a, a massive life change, like switching jobs or, you know, forsaking the career you've been building for 10 or 20 years. So you definitely want want to have your significant other on board. Um, you know, I would say find a group of trusted friends, uh, especially if you have somebody who's been in the, the shoes you're trying to step into. If you have a friend who's jumped ship and founded their own something before, I think they might be able to uh, give you some good counsel. So, yeah, definitely m- make sure your people are on board and, and you know, they're kind of helping you to see through your emotions. Make sure you're thinking clearly. Um, I would say make a plan. Uh, you know, on the one hand, if you feel like you're in a bad situation, a lot of times you're like, oh, this is so awful. Life will just be better if I, I cannot have to do this anymore. Uh, a lot of times, you know, just jumping ship immediately probably isn't the best idea. Um, so if you can extend it out or plan, you know, kind of a transition plan of three months or six months where you're, you can be sure that you have uh, sufficient money saved up in the bank, you know, a, f- a few months of runway so you can get started and get moving. Um, and then also, I would say set reasonable goals in the sense that, you know what, if you start investing 15, 30 minutes, an hour a day, every other day into your dream or what you want to pursue over time, that will build uh, and that will scale. So don't don't get disheartened because you don't have immediate ultimate success uh, overnight. You know, when you when you see a lot of people like uh, I interviewed Rachel Hollis uh, last year for my podcast. And one of the funny things about her story is you see her, she seemingly just popped onto the, you know, book publishing scene with Girl, Wash Your Face. She's everywhere. She hits New York Times. Um, and even though it seems like it was an overnight success story, you know, she spent 14, 15 hard, difficult years of building a brand and grinding it out and getting to the point where she was ready to scale and pop and all of a sudden seemingly uh, explode overnight. So don't, don't feel bad about small beginnings, about humble beginnings. Um, some of the best things just you know, like a fine wine, they take time. And so just be willing to do the small stuff and take your time. And if you can plan and take a little bit more time at the beginning, I think how fast you scale and the quality of what you have, 6, 12, 18, 24 months down the road, it's just going to be that much better. That's great. So two big pieces of advice is uh, make sure your wife is on board <laughs> with yes. if you're making the leap, that. you're making a transition or you're taking the leap to start a company, make sure you're fully aligned with your significant other. Um, and uh, don't don't rush it. Take your time. That's really powerful. You know, sometimes just waiting and resting on the Lord and doing a slow build of your brand and and your your business, uh, even if it looks a little bit slower in the beginning, can pay dividends in the future as you build something that people really love and you spend your time doing it. So that's really, really great advice. So Sean, as we wrap up here, uh, I am sure our audience wants to connect with you and follow you Go ahead. How can they do that? Do you have a website? Do you have social media? Share your handles and all of that so that we can get you connected with the audience. Right. So probably the easiest place to find me is my main website for the Sean Tabbitt Show. 
Uh, you can find me there uh, at seantabbitt.com. That's S-H-A-U-N-T-A-B-A-T-T. So seantabbitt.com. Uh, look me up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all, all the various places that you might be able to uh, listen to podcasts. Uh, look me up on Facebook. Uh, Sean Tabbitt Show is there. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, I go by the handle S Tabbitt. So yeah, look me up on any of the social medias. Um, I do uh, an almost daily broadcast, I call it, called the Sean Tabbitt Show Almost Daily on Facebook Live. That's more me just doing updates of kind of what I'm working on, things that interest me. Um, I'm starting to do guests for that for some brief kind of short form interviews. Uh, and then the, my podcast interviews tend to be more of the 30 to 45 minute range. So, but yeah, if you have, if people have uh, ideas for, you know, guests for any of my shows, they can just email me at uh, the address show at seantabbitt.com and just, yeah, I love to connect with people. And I do a wide range of, of guests from, uh, you know, Christian authors, pastors, leaders, um, onto, you know, marketing experts, business experts. And so I, I kind of, uh, run the full range of style and types of authors I talk to. So uh, if you have something a little out of the box, uh, be brave and pitch me. You never know. I might say yes. Awesome. I, I love that. So, so everyone, that's how you can follow Sean. Check him out at seantabbitt.com uh, and on social media and pitch him an idea. He would love to hear it. So Sean, thanks so much for joining the show. We, we really enjoyed having you. I think this was great and we look forward to having you on again soon, I'm sure. My pleasure. Thanks so much. 